We're going to be looking at Luke 2. Uh, Martin has already read the New Testament passage. We're going to be focusing mainly on verses 7 through 11. And so you can look in your bulletin at the text as I refer to different verses in that passage. Before we dig in, let me pray and ask God to help us. Let's pray together. Father, Christmas is indeed wonderful in so many ways. It's a time for us to gather with family and with friends. It's a time of celebration and parties and good food and decoration and gifts. But at the same time, it's also a time of loneliness for lots of us. It's a time where we are reminded of loss. We're reminded of the brokenness that exists when, uh, within our own families and within our own relationships. Others maybe love Christmas but hate the meaning of Christmas, meaning people find it hard to believe that God would take on flesh and come into the world. So wherever we find ourselves this evening, Spirit, would you come and minister to each one of us through your word? We need help. We're so familiar with the Christmas story. Help us to see the wonder and the amazement and the beauty of the Christmas story tonight. We desperately need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this is the perhaps the most famous story in the Bible. It's being read right now at this moment, this evening, in churches all around the world. And I wish so badly that we could hear this uh, for the first time. Because we are so familiar with this passage that we have lots and lots to overcome this evening. And I pray by the Holy Spirit that he would help us to overcome this familiar passage and our familiarity with it. And help us to see the glory that is in this passage. Very clearly... Very obviously, this passage centers on the birth of Jesus. That's what we are celebrating at Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Jesus, God becoming man, coming into the world in the person of Christ. This evening, I want us to look at three things very briefly about the birth of Jesus. Number one, why does Christmas bring fear to these angels in this story? Secondly, what is the good news of Christmas? And thirdly, who is Christmas for? So let's look at the first point. Why does Christmas bring fear? Look at verse 9 with me in your bulletin or if you have a copy of God's Word. It says that shepherds were out in the field. They were keeping watch of their flock by night. And an angel appears to them and they're filled with fear. Not just fear, great fear. In other words, they're terrified. And we look at this passage, and normally we just gloss right over this and think, well, of course they were terrified. They were seeing something supernatural. They were seeing angels. We would be terrified too. And of course that is true. But there is something deeper going on in this passage and in their fear. You see, in the Bible, people always experienced anxiety and fear when they got near to God. They always experienced anxiety and fear when they got near to an angel that God would send. Now, why would they be fearful? Well, it all goes back to Genesis chapter 3 at the very beginning of the Bible, the fall of mankind into sin. 
And it's at the beginning of the Bible that we see that God created the world and it was good. And he created human beings. And he created them with great glory and great dignity to be in relationship with him. To have harmony with him. And you know how human beings, you know how we repaid God? For that gracious gift of life, of bringing us and creating us and creating the world. We repaid God by telling him to get out of our life. We can take care of this. No, we've got it. And so we pushed God away. And from that moment forward, there was hostility. You look in the Bible, there's hostility between God and man. And any time anyone encountered God or got near to an angel from God, they were filled with great fear. And they were terrified. And you hear that, and tonight you might think, Ah, hostility, I'm good, I'm off the hook. I'm not hostile towards God. You think of hostility as being shaking your fists at God or getting in God's face. But no, no, no. Hostility is much more subtle than that. Hostility expresses itself through trying to be our own Savior. It expresses itself through trying to be independent from God. Hostility is a heart that says, again, we live in the South, we're too nice for this. We would never do this out loud, but on the inside, hostility looks like no one tells me what to do. God tells me how to use my sexuality? No, indeed, he does not. God tells me how to use my finances. God tells me X, Y, and Z. No, God does not tell me that. I'm going to do what it is I am going to do. You see, that expresses itself in trying to be your own savior and trying to sit on the throne in your own life. That is hostility. But it also looks like religion. It also looks like... uh, doing all the right things and being good and obeying all the rules of the Bible and then thinking, God, I've done it for you. I've served you. I have obeyed all the rules. Now you've got to bless me. And whatever it is that I ask of you, you need to do. You see, both of those ways of living are hostility towards God. And in both cases, you are setting yourself up as your own Savior. You're setting yourself up in sitting on the throne of your own life. Here's the point. Christmas brings fear because it reminds us, it reminds us tonight that the natural human heart is rebellious and hostile towards God. It reminds us that um, God and man need to be reconciled. And then if you look at the angel, they have a surprising message, the Shepherds are in fear, but look at the angels. They say, you don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to be afraid if you look at what I show you and what I'm about to show you, and that leads to the second point. What is the good news of Christmas? Verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not, I am bringing you good news of great joy. The angel is literally saying here, do not be fearing Be perceiving. Do not be fearing. Be perceiving, for I'm telling you gospel. 
What is gospel? Gospel is good news. In other words, the angels are saying, if you take time to comprehend and believe the gospel message that I am bringing to you that is coming into the world, it will remove the fear that has dominated your life. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? So what is this good news? What is the thing that's going to remove the fear that has dominated our life? Verse 11. For unto you a Savior is born who is Jesus Christ the Lord. That's the good news. Because what we see here, Christmas is good news because God takes on flesh and comes into the world and does for us what we could never do for ourselves. God shows up in the form of a baby, not to bring judgment, but to bear it. Jesus comes into the world to be the perfect mediator in the hostility between God and man. He comes into the world and he lives the life that we couldn't live. He had to be sinless and he was sinless and he was perfectly obedient for us. He was building a record of righteousness and then at the end of his life, he goes and he takes the wrath of God for our sin and becomes our substitute. So that If you believe in Jesus by faith, then you get his perfect record of righteousness and you give him your sin and you're pardoned and forgiven for all your sin. When you trust in Jesus alone, you see, you no longer have to be afraid of God like the angels were. Can you imagine if the people in the Old Testament were sitting here tonight I mean, think about that. Can you imagine if Moses were sitting here and he were to hear that God showed up into the world in the form of a baby and not a pillar of fire and that if you trust in this baby Jesus that you can actually meet God and know him personally and you don't have to be terrified and full of fear. They most certainly would have said this. Where's all your joy? Where is your joy? Where is your wonder? Jesus has come into the world. God has come into the world. And now you can know him personally without fear. Verse 10 again. Good news of great joy. Why is Christmas a reason for great joy? Well, we've hit at that, but there's other things we could say. And one of the other things we could say is it brings great joy because it means that you can stop trying to earn God's favor. Christmas means that you can stop trying to earn God's love. Several years ago, there was a middle school principal, uh, and he made national news for posting the F list outside of his office. The names, and beside each name outside of his office, was an F alongside each name. And if you were on the F list, you were not allowed to go to the upcoming middle school dance. Friends, that's what most people, lots of people, perhaps you this evening, think that Christianity is. We often think that Christianity is all the people who have screwed it up and messed up and sinned and are not good enough, they're not allowed to go to the upcoming middle school dance. (laughs) That's the lie of religion. That's religion. That is advice. Religion says, God will save you, but you need to be good enough. 
God will save you, but get your act together. You need to talk a certain way. You need to dress a certain way. And when you get to be good enough, you can come and hang out with the rest of us good people. That's not Christianity. Christianity is the complete opposite. Remember, Christianity's news. It's news, not advice. It's news about what someone has done for you. Christianity says that you'll never be good enough. That you'll never clean your act up enough, but Jesus was good enough for you. Christianity says, and it can be offensive, but I think it's the best news in the world. Christianity says all of us are on the F list. That we all naturally have an F next to our name because we have broken God's law. But here's the good news. Jesus passed the test that you couldn't pass. And he takes your F paper, your record that gets an F, and he shreds it to pieces and he takes us to the dance. See, Christmas is such good news because God connects to you Not on the basis of your record and what you have done, but on the basis of his record and what he has done through his son Jesus. And that is what makes Christianity different from every other religion and philosophy in the world. The Christmas story is saying this, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christmas says, stop. God has come down to you. And you don't have to work your way up to him. And I don't know about you, but I think that's really good news. Lastly, who's it for? Verse 10. Who's Christmas for? We've said this a couple of times this evening. All people. It's for all people. Look specifically, though. I want us to see this in verse 11. Unto you a child is given. Who's the you? The you is the shepherds. And I want us to slow down and think about this. Maybe you've heard this in Christmas sermons before, but do not miss this because this is scandalous. Mary and Joseph were peasants. They were in a very low class, but the shepherds were even below them. And with the exception of lepers, shepherds were in the lowest class of men in Israel. Because of their jobs, they could not go into the temple because they were considered unclean. They were so low that they couldn't give a credible testimony in court. They were the lowest of the low. And can you imagine the, God coming to the angels and saying, I want you to go to the shepherds, and I want you to announce that Jesus, that I'm coming into the world through this child named Jesus. Can you imagine the angels in that moment? Come again? <laughs> What did you just say? You've got to be kidding me. I mean, surely I'm going to the execs in New York City with this news. Not to these lowly shepherds. No, you see, don't miss the fact that the news came to the shepherds first to a group of people who couldn't even pretend to earn it. Who couldn't even pretend to to have their act together. Do not miss that. Look at verse 7. It continues. Look at where this Savior, Jesus, can be found. In Bethlehem, in a manger. We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks at our church. 
on Sunday mornings, but we have cleaned up the Christmas story, haven't we? We've really cleaned up the, the Christmas story. And in our nativity scenes, Mary looks like something out of a fashion magazine. Joseph has this neatly trimmed and perfectly trimmed beard, and Jesus is in a very nice and perfectly sized manger. Friends, the manger was never intended to be a dignified thing. The manger is where the pigs ate. It's not a place that you put a baby. It's where they would put rotten and moldy and leftover food for animals to eat. And there's not a one of us in this room that would have ever placed our child in a manger. It was a dog bowl. It was nasty and smelly and gross. And think about the shepherds again with me. The lowest of the low on the social ladder. The manger, this dog bowl, is the only place that they could go. They couldn't go anywhere else. They couldn't have gotten in an inn or a hotel because they weren't high enough on the social ladder. The only place they could go was to a place where animals would eat. And that's where God was. That's where God was. The most powerful person and the richest person to the lowest person. Everyone can reach the feeding trough. Everyone can reach the feeding trough. You don't have to have power. You don't have to have prestige. You don't have to be cleaned up. You don't have to be somebody. Christmas says that there is hope for everyone. It's been said that there's only two organizations in the world that you have to be bad in order to get into. The first one is the mafia. And the second one is the church. You realize that in order to join the church, particularly our church, you have to stand up in any church. You've got to stand up and in some way, shape, or form say something like the first question. Are you a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope except for God's sovereign mercy? That's what you gotta you gotta say, yes, I'm a sinner. Friends, Christmas reminds us that we're all the same. And that there are really only two types of people in the world those that have a savior and those that need a savior. If you're here this evening and you're not a Christian, do you want relief from your fears this evening? The angel comes to you, those without a Savior, and says, Behold, look, look at Christmas. Look at the baby in a manger. To you, a Savior is born. To those in this room this evening that have a Savior, You're here and you say, yes, I am a Christian. If that's you this evening, please never forget that the only reason why you are a Christian is because God came after you first. You love because God first loved you. It's because God willingly, Jesus willingly took on flesh and came into the world and made his home and moved into our neighborhood and became poor and dejected and became a failure like us. 
You are a Christian because he became dirty and shameful and poor in order to make you beautiful and rich and acceptable. Never forget that. Because that's the Christmas message. And that's what we are celebrating here tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time of year. And we confess that this wonderful story of you coming into the world to rescue us has become so familiar. Many of us are going through the motions. Forgive us. Forgive us for not being moved by this. And help us to ponder what we have heard here this evening. Make your mercy and your goodness real to our hearts in a way that you never have before. As you do this in Jesus' name, amen.